The world pontificates, history has a way of repeating itself. The Lord states, whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before. The implication is time is cyclical. Interestingly, there are direct parallels in the first two books of Genesis to the last two books of Revelation. Upon further examination, we just may be in the middle of Daniel's prophesied vision in chapter 7 after looking back at history's completion of Daniel 2. Does the recent invasion of Russia into Ukraine draw a similar parallel to the writings of the prophets Ezekiel and Daniel? Join us now for a fascinating journey looking back at the world that was toward the world that just may be closer than we think in cyclical time in the last days. I am Mark Russick and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're watching and listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Delighted that you're here. Uh, I apologize. It's a few days late. I was had some complications with dental surgery. Hopefully, I'm turning the corner. I'm back in the dentist chair in a few more days. Uh, a number of you have sent me messages saying you're praying for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd ask for your continued prayer if you're so inclined. I'm back in that chair in a few more days and uh, ho- hopefully we're at the tail end of this procedure, but enough of that. Today's topic, cyclical times in the last days. And I believe you'll find this to be relevant because I see some things that are happening that we can look at in scripture that may tie into what we're seeing around the world today. There will be an emphasis in looking at the, of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and how it impacts the world. But also, you know, naturally, I want to look at what does the Bible have to say? Is there any information? Is there any, um, are there any patterns? Is there any, anything that we can relate to or that draws us to some, um, some conclusions maybe or some hypotheses that we, that we can look at and investigate? And I believe there can. And when I say cyclical times in the last days, there's the old adage, history has a, 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 a way of repeating itself. And I think there's scriptural basis for that. So we're going to look into that. Um, for those of you who appreciate information that drives it to truth, my, my message, my passion is always getting to the truth, centered and focused on the word of God and the veracity of Christ in scripture, but also looking at other things that impact the world as we see things and as we see things anticipating the return of Jesus uh, and and the salvation that's offered to us freely from Jesus. So in doing so, I like to look at all sides of subject matter, whether it's the Bible or other information related to it, historical records, archaeological records, eyewitness accounts, et cetera, et cetera. And if so, if you appreciate information like this, uh, I would ask that you, w- if you wouldn't mind, to hit the like and the subscribe button, as well as ring that bell. Whatever the platform is, whether it's YouTube or, or, or Rumble or the, all of our podcast platforms, we're on Anchor, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, whatever you're on, if, if you could ring that bell, make some comments if you, if, if, if you want, whether you agree with me or not. If, if you have some new information, I, I welcome that. Um, and also, if you wouldn't mind, if you can, Go to the rusticoutlook.com, join our email list. We notify you when new information is coming out, new subjects, but also send you invitations. If you'd like to join our bi-monthly, not bi-monthly, bi- I guess it's, well, it's 
close to biweekly, twice a month. Uh, we, we have first and third Saturday of the month, we have a Zoom presentation where we all get together and we investigate subjects like what we're talking about today, but then we drill down by getting and, and engaging with one another, asking you to offer your comments, your suggestions, your you know uh, revelations that maybe the Lord has given you. So it really becomes uh, an, an interactive session that we do remotely. Uh, so that's how we notify you, you know, if you're interested in that. So, but let's get to this. Let's get to cyclical time in the last days. I wanted to bring to your attention first from the world's perspective, what's called the doomsday clock. And the doomsday clock looks at potential catastrophes or events that are going around the world, whether it's uh, scientific, nuclear, political, um, and how close it may be to midnight, midnight being the, the, the midnight hour where, you know, potentially the world is at risk. But I also found a similar um, a pattern or, or uh, comparison, I should say. If you look at the uh, parable of the ten virgins by Jesus, when Jesus w was asked by his disciples, what will be the sign of your times? And he references the parable of the ten virgins and where five are rescued and five are not. But it's about the midnight hour and Jesus returns at the midnight hour. So I found it interesting that Jesus says that and also uh, the world is saying that. The world looks at midnight as this, you know, potential catastrophic event. And, and so in, I just wanted to kind of not compare the two, but at least, you know, it it. it it solidifies in my mind that Christians are concerned, Christians are looking at what's going around the world today and they're seeing things that have been prophesied. There's so many things that have been prophesied that have come to pass and we're looking at events that lead up to things that Jesus warned us about. But also I believe if you're not a Christian or if you're sitting on the fence and you're really not sure, I think most of the world would readily concede that there's something not right, that you know, we see the chaos around the world, and, and we'll talk about Russia and Ukraine, but the impact that that has on inflation, the economy, uh, food shortages, how much, you know, grain, you know, for instance, is being uh, developed or, or, or produced out of the Ukraine or the gas and the energy out of, out of Russia and so forth. So all of those things come into the equation. And that's why I say whether you're a Christian or not, you, you kind of you have this sense that there's something going awry. And that's why I bought the reference of the doomsday clock. Uh, but what, it, for, what I wanted to look at from this perspective was this war that's happening in, in Russia and Ukraine that's impacting the entire world. We see it around our headlines. We're you know roughly 30 days into this now. Obviously, it doesn't take the Lord by surprise. And is there anything in Scripture that we can draw from or glean from that may, you know, lead us to think uh, this this has a, uh, this has a direct input into what the plans of the Lord has laid out? Naturally, many people are looking at Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine, which refers to the what I call the next great war, which is. Russia and many allies gathering and attacking Israel, uh, and and I've uh, I've done a study on that called the Next Great War, but also there's plenty of information out there by so many people, and so naturally, if you're a Christian and you're familiar with this and you're looking at Russia being the leader, it's called the War of Gog of Magog. You know, people are saying is is, is this is this related somehow, and I think that's a natural question and. 
you know, I, I kind of touched on this when I, we talked about the uh, prophetic developments. I do a thing on news and headlines each month, and naturally this comes up. So I wanted to look at that. And the answer right now is it's too early to tell, as from my, my, my opinion. But it's certainly, there are things there that lead to, you know, it, we could be leading up to a precursor uh, to what it, for what is to come. But there's other things that are developing that I believe ties into this whole thing of cyclical time where I, I, I think you're going to find this to be scriptural. So let me give you an example. If we go to the slide, uh, time most people look at is linear, left to right, past is behind us, future is in front of us. Cyclical means the future is behind us, the past is in front of us, meaning that you know we can learn from th things that have happened in the past and history has a re way of repeating itself. And I think scripturally, there's a basis for that. So let me, let me go to some scriptures here. Ecclesiastes 1, 4 through 11. I'm going to give you the highlight here. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. That's Ecclesiastes 1, 4 through 11. Oh, I just gave you, I think it looks like verse 8. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, 15. Whatever is has already been. What will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. Another example I could give you are the Jewish feasts and holidays. Uh, the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar is 360 days. It's 24 hours in a day, 360 days in a year. It's cyclical. It revolves. Uh, we know that the days and the festivals that the Lord laid out according to the Hebrew calendar, it's always on the same day of the same month. But, you know, the, 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 the calendar continues to move. So, for instance, Yom Kippur is always on the 10th day of the seventh month, uh, which, which in Hebrew is called Tishrei. So, you know, we have that. And I, I, I believe that I'm going to show you something here that I find invigorating, fascinating, and it puts a smile on my face for what is to come. And this is why I, I'm convinced that time is cyclical and that the Lord has laid this out. So let me show you something. In the first two chapters of Genesis, there's no sin, there's no death, Satan is not present, God is walking with man, there's no sickness or pain. Go to the last two chapters of Revelation, which is the last two chapters of the Bible, first <clears throat> the bookend, so to speak. There's no sickness or pain, there's no sin, no death. Satan is not present, and the Lamb is in the midst of the city. The Lamb of God, Jesus, is, comes down to earth and is in Jerusalem. So here we see the beginning and the end, you know, it, it comes full circle as God designed it. And, and even though man mucks it up, so to speak, in the middle, God cleans it up for us and, and offers us redemption, or offers us salvation, but offers us not only an incredible life here on earth, but an incredible life that we could never imagine really uh, <clears throat> of what is to come. So hopefully that kind of lays out a, what, what I think is, is a pretty compelling case. I'm going to show you something else that may startle you a little bit if you're not familiar with what I'm about to say in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I, I, I believe that there's a huge time gap, and many people are familiar with this. Let me jump to it. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So let me say that if God created the heaven and the earth, it's perfect. Because if God's going to create something, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. But verse 2 says, now the earth was unformed and void. Now, meaning something happened before it. 
and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And I would say that is where you had the fall of Satan, that where he aspired to be like God. He aspired to be like the Most High, where the Lord actually creates hell. And, and I've done some studies on this, and there's information out there. Um, then you have Genesis 1-3, where the creation process as we know it begins, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So that begins the whole seven-day process. But what I wanted to show you was a pattern of what I think we can look at from the past to where we are now and what is to come around the corner, but also even beyond that uh, of, of, of what is to come, that there's a cyclical pattern that the Lord has laid out. So let me show you this in picture form, just to kind of give you a little bit of a better idea uh, if you're following me on video. Again, the beginning. We have plenty of scriptures that line up that the hosts of heaven were there, including Lucifer, uh, and, and they all rejoiced at the creation of the heavens and the earth. Then Lucifer's judgment, where you had a catastrophic calamity that happened on the earth, including a great flood. Um, and then you have God redeeming this by the six days of creation, which ultimately led up to the creation of man. So, in other words, there's an awful lot of time between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. Um, and, and a lot of times some Christians will kind of jump to it and they'll skip over it. And I think if you really look at it, and again, I think I did a fair job of describing this in The Earth Before Adam, um, and there's plenty of other great you know, uh, authors and, 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 and videographers and whatnot have done wonderful work on this. But look at it because it, it's... I, I believe it's, it, it's scripture, you know, laying it out. But I also believe this shows us a pattern of cyclical time. And so let me show you this. If you're following me on video, stay to the bottom left to right, which is what we just saw. Genesis 1-1, the fall of Satan, 1-2, then 1-3. Then if you jump over to the left, to the middle, Genesis 1-27 is where God creates man. We all know about the fall of man and fall of Adam and Eve. And then you have the great catastrophe or calamity of the great worldwide flood uh, where God offers redemption to us. But ultimately, his way of saving us from this darkness is his return, his plan of salvation, him going to the cross, and ultimately him coming back from us. So in other words, God rescues us from the darkness again. So we see that he rescued us from the darkness of Genesis 1-2, created us rescues us from the darkness of Genesis 7:10 by what is to come with the return of Jesus. Then when Jesus returns, it begins a millennium. There's a thousand-year rule on earth where Jesus reigns out of Jerusalem. In that, in Revelation 20:10, Satan is released for a short time, causes more havoc, um, and, and then ultimately Jesus comes, puts him in, in the great white throne judgment, puts him in, in the pit, in the lake of fire, and then the new heaven and the new earth. But all three times, if you're following me on video, it's man who gets in our way or gets in the way and lines up with Satan, and it is Jesus who rescues us. And you see this pattern that develops, and you know, to me anyway, it's clear. I hope it's clear to you. But uh, you know, I wanted to establish that I believe that their time is cyclical. So now. I wanted to look at Daniel. And so Daniel, for those of you who don't know, and I, I can't get into 
a lot of the depth of this. Let me just say it this way. Chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He has captured the Hebrews. Daniel is, is in his court, and he has a dream that troubles him greatly. He asks all of his astrologers, his magicians, his counselors to not only interpret the dream, but tell him what the dream is. No one could do it. Daniel, however, this Hebrew uh, man that was called by God, is not only able to tell him what the dream was, but he's able to interpret it. And it's a great statue with a head of gold. Uh, here, let me show you. Um, it has the head of gold, the chest of silver, the, the waist of bronze, and the legs of iron. And they each relate to <clears throat> a certain empire. Um, if you're following me on video, I'll give you the yellow highlight. As for this image, its head was of fine gold, the breast and arms of sil silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of, uh, of iron, its feet of iron, and partially of clay. So they represent four empires. And the four empires are basically, and I give you all of the explanation of this, and, and I'll give you even more information of what these empires represent, which is basically the four Gentile empires that would follow, or, or Babylon, which was uh, during King Nebuchadnezzar's time. Silver represents the Medo-Persians. Uh, the midsection of thighs and bronze was represents the Greek Empire. And then finally, the uh, legs of iron represents the, uh, the Roman Empire. And I give you all the reasons there, and there's plenty of information out there. And what's, a, what's fascinating or what's awesome about this is it was given in the time of Nebuchadnezzar and it predicts these Gentile empires that were to come and sure enough they did come just as as the Lord had shown. Now fast forward Daniel has a, a vision a prophetic vision in chapter 7 that most people <clears throat> myself included for a long time kind of lined up with exactly with what Nebuchadnezzar did but I believe this is comes into this whole cyclical pattern this, uh, of time of what I was talking about earlier. So let me show you. He has this uh, vision of four beasts, which is the head of a lion with, with wings and the bear. There's a leopard with four heads and wings, and then ultimately the beast. And again, I'm, I'm giving you the abridged, condensed version. You can find all of this information out there. And I give you all of the information on the right-hand side, how this lines up prophetically with these empires. But I would say to you that this is not what lays out the empires as Nebuchadnezzar did. This is a new thing that God's laying out, that as you had those empires in the past, that is a prelude for what is to come. So if you look at the vision, uh, which is verse 2 of chapter 7, it, it is the vision by night, and night is always picturing the church age. So this is a vision of, of the church age leading up to the return of Jesus. And I give you some other scriptures that will back this up. Matthew 24, 43, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 9, Romans 13, 11 through 13. So what's, let, let me just say, I believe that these first two, which you, you can line up, with, with Babylon and the Medo-Persians, but I, I believe that what this represents is England. It's, it's the British Empire. The British Empire was a powerful, powerful empire leading up in through World War II. And, then, and again, the, 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 uh, the video um, information that I have here is the old age saying was, 
the sun never sets on the British Empire. Well, it sure did because Churchill signed the, the white papers giving all of the land of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, which is Transjordan, to Mohammed, meaning that he gave that to the Arabs. God had the eagle's feathers plucked, and, and England became a third-rate nation. So this is after World War II. Uh, the land w w was uh, given because the, the British had the, the rights to it, um, and they gave this part of, really, of what was Israel's land to the Arabs, and really after that was kind of the fall of the British Empire. Um, England today is an incredibly powerful nation, wonderful people, but they do not have the prestige, the power, the influence that they once had as that famed British Empire. And I would say that anytime you mess with Israel or you mess with God's people and you mess where you try to uh, um, trade land for peace, it's never a good thing. It, it always winds up backfiring on you. And I believe that's what that's what happened here. Uh, the bear on, on uh, which was considered the Medo-Persians, I believe we, we can look at this as being the, the Russian bear, which is the Soviet Union. In 1922, it took the three ribs of uh, what's called Tran Transcaucia, Ukraine, and Belarusia. Uh, so the three ribs that were in the, the mouth, and I'll, and I'll get to this, in a second, which we, we know was the part of uh, um, the Medo-Persians, there, there's some information I found that could potentially lead to three areas of, of Russia today. Um, Clarence Larkin identified the watchers of 417 uh, are the ones who gave permission uh, to Stalin to, it says, to devour much flesh. So if you look at Daniel 7.5, I show you that on the left-hand side in the red letters, and behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, it raised itself up in one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth and between its teeth, and they said unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. So I'm going to show you some things in a minute of where we could be at with Ukraine and how this scripture may tie into some things that we're seeing today. Uh, let me go on with historically the ones who gave tacit permission to Stalin to devour much flesh after World War II were what this one author calls the Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, Churchill, and FDR. Uh, the Soviet Union after World War II took Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and then it, you know, communism just continued to move forward. It, it was all about communist control. It went into Eastern Europe, uh, went to China, North Korea, Southeast Asia, Eastern and Southern Africa. We have it in many Latin American countries today. And I will say without question, it is making its way into the United States. I believe we've seen over the last 25 years or so a direct um, uh, um, intrusion of people who do not believe or have the our government's interest at hand in terms of how uh, we are constructed today, how the law of government is constructed today. I believe there are Marxists and communists that would would attempt to uh, infiltrate the world. And I think, you, can, you know, this should come as no surprise. Um, I personally believe that liberalism is dead. And, you know, this it's called progressives because I think it's a it's a marketing word that, you know, you think progressive. Oh, that must be good. 
Um, but I believe there's, you know, Marxist principles to it. And, and we can see that throughout today, university campuses. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get into more of that as we go down the road, but not today. But nonetheless, it, it tries to infiltrate Western nations. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, so then we get into the, the, the leopard with the, six, with the six wings that, I'm sorry, the leopard with the four heads. And that could be what could be coming up next. And so I'm, I'm going to cover some things that are, are just theory only. Um, and it's, it's, it's got some interest because it's always, you know, disconcerting. How come the United States isn't represented in, in prophecy? And, you know, there's a lot of reasons to, you know, what, what people have brought out. But some people are tying this now to this this beast here. So the leopard has, uh, in, in verse 6, it has four heads and four wings, uh, being a type of United States. Uh, what you have is four times the original makeup of America. So we had the original 13 colonies. If you go four times 13, you get to 52. Some people believe that we're at the cusp of 52 with uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, Puerto Rico becoming the last two next two states. Others believe California could be broken up into three states. Um, so this is a possibility, and, and, and that's all I'm going to say. It's been brought out by some pretty re renowned uh, um, theologians and historians, uh, but they noticed that the wings of the leopard are not in eagle's wings, but wings of a fowl. So scripture calls it a fowl, or you can say a chicken. Uh, many have long said that the symbol of the United States since World War II should not be a bald eagle, but it should be a plucked chicken. And if you think about after World War II, we've not had many victories. This is a great nation. This is our, you know, I'm an American. I'm proud to be an American. No matter where you're from, I expect you to be proud of whatever nation you're from and your heritage. And we have done, I believe, more good for the world than any other nation. But at the same time, we're not as strong as we think we are or that we could be. And, and by that, you can start with the Korean War, the Vietnamese War, other things, how we had to enlist all of these other nations just to free Kuwait. Um, and, and I understand why you know, some of that needed to be done. But it, and then you look at the travesty of, of, of Afghanistan and the absolute blunder of how we left there and you know, the reaction of how the world is, is, is handling what I believe, you know, some troublesome times that are going on right now in, in you, you, the Ukraine. So this is really what I want to kind of lead up to, where there's some interesting information that I think that we can glean from Daniel, and then I'm going to segue to Ezekiel. So bear with me. So let me, let me show you something. And a lot of, I should have said too, the information that I just presented about the four heads I found in a commentary by Peter Ruckman. And reading his commentary, he's done some wonderful, wonderful work. And, and he believes that's, that's the case. And so I, I would say to you, it's, it's a hypothesis and it's an interesting one. He also says that uh, when you say that the bear has three sides or three ribs, Another word for it is sides. And if you think about it, a rib is on your side, so it could be. He, uh, Ruckman contends that the three sides are what's called 
Belarusia, which we know today as Belarus. Belarus is under Russian control right now. If you're following the news, no surprise there. Russian troops are there. Ukraine was Russian territory, and now they're attempting to take it again. And then you have what's called Transcaucia, uh, which was Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. So Georgia, uh, ha has Russia has gone back to. Uh, we know that from 2008. We know what's going on in Belarus, Belarus, I'm sorry. And then what we see coming on in Ukraine. And he says that that is the mouth, potentially. So I show you the map on video. And the reason I say that is Daniel 7, 5. It says this, And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, raised itself up on one side. It had three ribs in the mouth. And in between its and uh, of it between the teeth of it, and they said unto it, "Arise, devour much flesh." So, it's possible that this area could be the mouth of Russia. So that's why I gave you that that graph of the mouth there. And again, I'm painting you a, a scenario of, of what could be, and I, I think there's a very like good likelihood of this, uh, but I can't say this with with certainty at all. Um, Deuteronomy 32:42. I wanted to look at when it said devour much flesh. It says this, I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of, reven beginning of revenges upon the enemy. So, uh, you know, there, there you have references to using devouring of, of the flesh. Hosea 13.8, I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps, meaning her cubs. So the scenario here is if, if you think of a bear and they've lost the cubs or the cubs has been taken by a captive or whatnot, they will do anything to get their cubs back. And so the contention here would be, and you, and you hear this on the news, that Putin claims that the West is pulling Ukraine away, Ukraine is saying that they want to join NATO, they want to go towards the West, they want to get away from Russian rule, they want to get away from it. So it's possible that we could be looking at the bear trying to rescue the, its cub and pull its cub back. I'm not giving you justification for what Putin's doing, not at all, but that this could be what we're looking at. The other interesting thing here is Proverbs 28:15 says, like a roaring lion and a charging bear, is a wicked ruler over poor people. So here you see Putin's trying to, uh, to instill his will and his dominance over that area, claiming that this is really Russian territory and you know, going back to the problems uh, you know, of the West trying to take over it. The other interesting thing that I wanted to, is a couple more things as I wind down. I always found it fascinating when, I, if, when you look at Ezekiel, and, and we'll touch on this as, as we close, when Russia and, and the allies and their allies go into Israel and no one comes to Israel's defense, no nation comes, it's only God, not even the Israeli army is going to get the victory. God says, I will destroy these people for my glory, I'm paraphrasing. But what's interesting that I find today, in spite of the calamities, the absolute horrendous degrees of assault on humanity by what we see in Russia and Putin and Ukraine, nobody's going in there. Nobody, they're supplying them, they're giving them the arms, so to speak, and I don't know to what degree, and certainly people helping them at the borders, and God bless the Polish, the Hungarians, and, and others. 
but no one's going into the fight with them. They're pretty much saying, um, you know, my, my, my hands are out of this. So just keep that in mind when you think about nobody's going to join in, in the fight against these other nations when they come down into the, into the mountains of Israel because you're going to have Russia, the stand countries, uh, Iran, Libya, uh, um, the Sudan, uh, Turkey, and, and, and others. They're all going to be coming down in that little tiny nation of Israel and I, I don't think it'll be any surprise. Whether I think the world is going to say we're not getting involved. Um, so now, if, if you stay along the theme of, of what Daniel laid out, I wanted to show you a couple of things here that I think are interesting. Uh, the two legs, which is really you know leading up to what I would call Roman Empire 2.0. So the two legs of iron represent the East and the West. I believe that you will have five rulers from each, because remember, the Antichrist will have 10 kingdoms. I believe you'll have five from the east and five from the west, and that represents the toes. I want to go back to the early church. So Nero was the emperor. Uh, Constantine was the one who came in and halted the persecution, and he was the one who gave uh, um, the, the, the ability to or the authorization to print the, the New Testament in conjunction with the Old Testament. Uh, but he went to Constantinople, uh, which is Istanbul, Turkey today, which is the east, which became the Byzantine Empire. Uh, then you had these. So really, if you're looking at uh, the spiritual or religious aspect, you have Rome in the west and you would have the Byzantine Empire in, 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 in the east. So you also have the religious components of it, which I show you on the upper right picturesque picture wise where you have the, the Vatican, the, the Catholic Church, and then you have the Eastern Orthodoxy Church. So there will be a one-world religion, and it's possible that you may see these uh, kind of collating or working together, uh, the, the Vatican and the Eastern Orthodoxy. And there's a lot of reasons we can get into, and I will probably cover that, that uh, the Roman Church will, will probably be part of that one world religion. <clears throat> Not to say Catholics don't believe in Jesus or this Catholics, let me just say it right now, stop. I was raised a Catholic. If you believe in Jesus with your heart, you've accepted him as Savior, you know, you, you are a Christian, you're saved. I'm talking about the religion itself, and I'll cover that in some other area. Um, I just wanted to make that clear. Um, so then you have uh, Iron, which represents fighting and war in the Bible, the Byzantine Empire had 133 wars. Uh, the West, you had France and Spain. Uh, they coalesced with Rome. They formed the Crusaders, and you had the Crusades uh, against the Muslims. So you had war going on. You had this back and forth. You had uh, what they were trying to form these governments, and they just couldn't do it. And I would say it's a form of iron and clay. In 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution uh, gave you the birth of communism, which was Karl Marx. Uh, interestingly enough, its, its symbol is a flag, uh, it, it, an iron sickle. I'm sorry, this flag is an iron sickle and, the ham and hammer, and that is what morphed into the Iron Curtain. So again, iron. Iron represents communism. Iron represents potentially a part of what is to come with these empires. And clay, I would say, is a form of democracy, and, and I see this today, 
if you look at people are trying to rise up and and it's really what I this is how I view it this is my opinion that the iron and the clay would represent the iron would represent the governments or the um, um, what's the word I want I forget the word I want um, no I can't think of it I apologize but at any rate uh, a, a, a communist form a Marxist form of government and they're trying to suppress the people, the people looking for freedom, that's the clay, so that when you have the iron melding with the clay, it doesn't work. And remember, you know, Jesus said, I am the potter, you are the clay. So it is the clay is the people, and, and the system, I'm going to call it, is the iron. And when you bring them together, they don't work. I think a good example that you could see, that you could relate to, would be East and West Germany. If, if you remember at the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, that you, for you know, many years, you had Eastern Germany and West Germany, and and I remember as a kid watching the Olympics, and you know, you had the two different nations, um, and you know, that to me would be your clear example of of the difference, and I think you would see some modern day examples of iron now working its way in, iron again being war, and I would say a, a clear cut example to me of that is is the Iranian Revolution in 1979. And then you fast forward to 2010, 2011, the, the Arab Spring. You saw a lot of people in the streets trying to revolt, trying to uh, get beyond the government, the suppression of the government. And, and, and it, it, they were able to squash them, so to speak. You saw it in Tiananmen Square with, with China. Um, People are they're always looking for freedom. Freedom is a natural, inherent desire, I believe. God's given you freedom um, that people want. I'm going to give you a, a rough example. Somebody told me about visiting a zoo, and um, they were there's a large cage of, of birds. So it's, it's an outdoor section, but pretty large. But there's a net over it, naturally. And the birds were pretty much at peace, except for two birds, they were kind of wringing their claws against the cage, and it looked like they were trying to gnaw and chew and get out. And there was a child who asked one of the, uh, one of the, I guess, guides at the zoo, and they said, you know, what is it with the with those two birds there? And they said, well, those are the only two birds that came from uh, the wild. All the other birds were born in captivity. So, in other words, these two birds knew what freedom was, knew what the ability to get beyond. That's the lesson that I would take from it, anyway. Uh, and, and I think there's lessons that people can learn, and we can learn that from what is happening today in Ukraine, that the Ukrainians got a taste of freedom. They got a taste of the West. Not to say that it's perfect. There's plenty of things that they had wrong. There's plenty of corruption that, that, that went on there and is going on there. But I, I guess my point is people want to be free. They want to be independent, which is the wonderful thing about this country. Uh, you know, the structure, the foundation of what this company is, a country is, and, and how the founders uh, put it in motion, I believe is God-inspired. It's certainly scripturally inspired, um, and that's the reason for its success, and that's also the reason that people are trying to tear it down. If you want to get to the one world government, which eventually will happen, and what's going on today, the number one deterrent is a free, powerful United States so whatever they need to do to bring it down to a level playing field, that's what they're striving to do. And that's what I believe you see that's happening in, in the world of politics today. So, you know, all, all, all of that to say, I think this is where you have the iron and the clay and that we have those examples 
of, of, of what we see. So, I, you know, I've kind of laid this out. Um, and, and the green movement, I think you saw in Iran in, in 2015, where the people were trying to get free. There are many Iranians who do not like what's going on and, and what the Ayatollahs are doing right now and when they're taking the money and, and you know, and then you have these, these agreements that are going on now between Russia, Iran, United States. It's just, it's bizarro world. It, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever if you think about everything that the United States is trying to do with punishing uh, Russia with sanctions. And then at the other hand, they're trying to reward Russia by bringing them to the table with the negotiations with Iran. I mean, it's the world is upside down. So again, getting to the midnight hour, getting into, you know, things aren't as, as they seem. So let me, let me kind of br bring this to a close. And I, I believe that we are on this cyclical time. So I believe in looking at Daniel, we've seen the British Empire, we've seen the Russian Empire. We'll, we'll see that final, um, what I, whether it's the United States or not, that's part of it. Uh, with, you know, with those four heads and, and, and the wings of the four heads of the leopard. But here's an interesting thing with that. Um, scripture will show you that uh, if, if you go back to, if I can find that, um, Revelation, Revelation 13, there it is. Let me do this. Revelation 13. Let me read this. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had seven horns, it had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and each of them, uh, each head had a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and the mouth of that of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast its power and authority. So the the beast in Revelation is these three empires coming together. Uh, the, these three forms of government. But notice that it has seven heads. If you look at the first beast, it has one head. The second beast has two heads. The third beast has four heads. And then you have the, the seventh beast, which is the dragon. So he will have rule over that. So the, what you saw in Daniel is the same beast of what you see in Revelation 13, 1 and 2. And for those of you who don't know, when I say that comment on the bottom about the Roman Empire, you had the first Roman Empire, which ended in 476 AD. Then you have the second and third stage of it, meaning the kings will pop up, but then eventually Satan, being the third stage, uh, represents the man taking control of that. So uh, I, I just wanted to, you know, to bring that out to bring us to where we are today. So I'm going to go back to Ezekiel for a second. So Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about Russia, Gog of Magog, uh, leading the coalition of its allies into Israel, into an army that I believe will set up the final peace treaty. Well, not the final, but the peace treaty that will be uh, um, created by the Antichrist in conjunction with Israel. So if we look at, that's Ezekiel 38 and 39. So let me do this for you. Um, before Ezekiel 38 and 39, you have naturally Ezekiel 36 and 37. Well, what do they say? Well, number one, it says that the rebirth of Israel must be happened in the end times. Yep, check that box, it's happened. Uh, the second one is the return of the Jews to the Holy Land after centuries. 
and I give you many of the uh, uh, different scriptures in Ezekiel that lays that out, 36, 10, 24, 37 through 38, 37, 12, 37, 21. Check that box. The rebuilding of the ancient ruins in Israel. Check that box. The reblossoming of the desolate desert lands. Check that box. The creation of an exceeding great army. Check that box. I would say the Israeli army easily could be considered the number five army in the world today. And if you wanted to be reasonably uh, generous, if you wanted to say that, you know, if you say, well, maybe France is bigger or Germany or whatever. Okay. But this nation, 70 plus years old, as tiny as Lake Michigan, is still one of the greatest armies in the world. And it's another prophecy that's been fulfilled. So all of these prophecies in Ezekiel 36 and 37, check the box. They've been fulfilled, which means we potentially are on the cusp of 38 and 39. So I wanted to talk about leadership just for a second, because what sets the stage for the end times is lack of leadership. In other words, the Antichrist will set in because he'll have the solutions that the world is looking for. And I would say to you today that the world is void of leadership. I give you all of these different nations on the left-hand side, and I give you some others such as NATO, uh, the Vatican, the World Economic Forum, the Davos Group. These are all powerful, powerful organizations. Um, there's not one leader amongst them that that. You know, I'm going to be I'm going to be generous and just say there's not one leader there that you want to go go to battle with. And I mean, I saw just the other day uh, uh, 46 speaking to troops as he visited Poland and he's telling them, um, you, you know, what you're about to see when you go into Ukraine. And some of you have been there beforehand. And I'm looking at him like, what? Like this is the commander in chief. And he's telling them things that just don't make sense. You know, it, uh, and they must have been spinning their wheels you like you're not going into ukraine but he's telling them yeah you are going to ukraine and etc cetera, etc cetera. so let's just say we're void of leadership i think what you see in nato they're they're kind of bragging like oh nato's coming together we're unifying we're this we're that but nobody's really saying okay this is what we're going to do to win this is what we're going to do to deliver the victory this is what we're going to do to get us over the top and here you have Zelensky. And maybe he is a potential modern-day hero. I don't know. Um, I do know that he showed extraordinary courage and wisdom and tactfulness, tenacity throughout some incredibly difficult times. There are others who say uh, this guy was trained by the World Economic Forum, that he's a puppet, that there's some things that he's done in his past. And that's possible. Uh, that's possible, but I will say sometimes the job will redefine the man or the woman. And maybe he's thrust into this, and maybe this is, uh, maybe God's using him. He is Jewish, um, and, and there may be something there that we're, we're not necessarily seeing. So for those Christians who are trying to condemn the gentleman, I, I, I just think there's too much information out there not to know it. And, and I know so many people who, who are enamored with Zelensky. Uh, one of our friends says uh, she's crushing on him. Um, you know, that, that she's got a crush on him. 
but let, let me just say that that's the kind of leadership that the world is not seeing right now. There's not that one enigmatic person who's coming up with concrete ideas. This is how we solve it. It's kind of like, oh, how do we pacify the situation? And the other, so the example that I wanted to give you, uh, I showed you the New York Times article here. Reagan takes oath as, four, as 40th president, promises an era of national renewal. Minutes later, US, uh, 52 uh, U.S. hostages. For 444 days, they were held by uh, the Iranians during the Jimmy Carter administration. Within minutes, minutes, they released them knowing Reagan meant business. Reagan, you can count on, delivered the message. If you don't get these, uh, release these people, we're going to unleash our military on you like you've never seen before. And it was certainly good enough that it got them to move. And within minutes, that's the kind of leadership that we don't see on the world today that I believe is, is kind of a, um, it, it's, it's, it's something to watch for because it sets the stage for the coming Antichrist. Um, so again, 38 and 39, we see an emboldened Russia. Uh, it, could this be the baby cub scenario that, that we d talked about before? You know, God says, I will put a hook in his jaw and pull him out. Is the hook being set? And then I say, here we are, back to the beginning, that time, reciprocal time, we're getting close to midnight. And the things that you need to look at is how these nations and organizations relate to Israel, relate to um, Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount, because inevitably it's about the relationships to Israel that you will find the answers in the Bible according to prophecy. So hopefully this has given you some things to think about. I believe we are on the cusp of, of some interesting developments. I don't know, you know, I'm not one to predict dates and whether it's five years, 10 years, and it could be a year from now, and Jesus could be coming back tomorrow. I don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But he does say that when you see these signs, look up, your redemption, your redemption comes nigh. So we are to look up. We're to be prepared. We're to share the information, share the gospel with others, because time is precious. And, you know, no matter what, if we're here tomorrow, we're one day closer to the return of Jesus. And it's clear that time is showing itself as, as, a, as a means of repeating itself, that time is cyclical. And I hope I showed you uh, the basis for that in, in the foundation uh, from, from Scripture. So on that note, I'd like to thank you as always for your time. I hope and trust that this was somewhat enlightening for you. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, please don't hesitate to ask. I look forward to it. Uh, email russicoutlook at gmail.com. And remember, you've been listening to the Russick Outlook, but as always, just my opinion.